This is The Court Leader's Advantage, a podcast series for court professionals and by court professionals. Brought to you by thecourtleader.net and in cooperation with NACOM, the National Association for Court Management. Now, we've been talking about work-life balance for decades. It's a perennial challenge. What has changed in these last two years is, of course, COVID. For the first time in the history of America's court system, large numbers of employees are teleworking. Many are frightened of catching the coronavirus in the office. Others are concerned over losing their personal freedom. And we all seem to be working and living with incomplete and often rapidly changing information. Now, I've heard anecdotal comments that are both positive and negative. Office productivity has improved, but the lines between work life and home life have blurred, particularly for caregivers. Management has adapted to the new flexible office, but burnout and mental health concerns have skyrocketed. And this is a contributing factor to what has come to be known as the Great Resignation. I'm Pete Kiefer, and welcome to the Court Leaders Advantage podcast series. This month, we're going to explore work-life balance and how COVID has affected both courts and court employees. Some of the questions we'll be looking into include, what has been folks' experience with work-life balance over the years? Has the advent of COVID changed that experience? And is that change for the better or for the worse? Is there anything NACOM can do to address this issue? And what advice do these court professionals have for the rest of us? I'm joined today by my co-host, Alice Roberts, semi-retired special project manager for the Alaska State Court System. Angie Van Skoik, court clerk and town clerk for the town of Silverthorne, Colorado. Kelly Hutton, assistant court administrator for the North Dakota Court System. And Alexis Allen, court administrator for the Municipal Court in Tempe, Arizona. Thank you all for joining today's podcast. And we have Alice with today's questions. Thank you, Peter. Kelly, as a court administrator and caregiver, what has been your experience with work-life balance over the years? Thanks, Alice. Um, My experience with work-life balance has really evolved through my years with the court system. Um, When I was a new caregiver and mom, I was in a lower level supervisory role and it was really easier to balance my time at work and my time at home. I really had the ability to go home at 5 p.m. and not bring the weight of the job with me. As I transitioned into my current role and more children joined our home, it morphed into a more constant pull in each direction. Uh, as a leader and a caregiver, you have to learn to create a balance that works for you and your family. For me, I have to prioritize the demands of the job with those of my children which means sometimes the job comes first before my kids. With that, through my time with the court, I've had various direct supervisors. And while my court as an organization has always been really supportive of my dual role, I did face some challenges with these direct supervisors at the local level. I was often directed to put work first in every situation. And this was a challenging time for me because I had to learn to really be an advocate for myself and for what my needs were as an employee. And it kind of felt like I was on the defensive with those supervisors having to defend this dual role. But on the positive side, my current boss is really understanding of this role. 
and is an advocate for all of our staff. So what I face now is a struggle with work-life balance and self-care. You never really think of yourself as a caregiver. You're the last one on the list. And that can be to our, our detriment. Thank you, Kelly. Wonderful and helpful remarks. Angie, has COVID changed the work-life balance in your own life and your court over the last two years? Very much like Kelly had mentioned, I had supervisors that were very much work-oriented and work-focused and did not completely understand that you had a personal life and a child that had to be taken care of. I ended up in the past two years, we went into lockdown and initially the building was closed to everybody. I would go in for court and we would pull in like five defendants at a time and such. And like for those specific days, I could have somebody like my husband watch our daughter. On other days, I was told that we didn't have to go in we could work from home. And eventually, like even during lockdown, that policy seemed to change and morph to a point where they were wanting everybody to be in at least one full day a week or to come in during the week, but like in the afternoons. And one of the things that I had difficulty with is my daughter was doing online school at the time and my husband works from home, but he would be in meetings. And so he couldn't really sit there and make sure that she was doing her homework and also do his job. And I couldn't really just go into the office and be in the office all afternoon and hope that she was going to be okay. I mean, she was in first grade, so you can't really have them be independent yet. And that really caused a lot of issues with the office. They didn't understand why I would potentially need her to come with me to work if I was like just picking up anything. And there was a lot of changes in terms of when you could be there, when you couldn't be there, who was able to accompany you, and just a lot of transitions that weren't communicated. Um, one day I showed up for court and the building was actually unlocked to the public and I had never been informed and people are just wandering in. And I was still going by the five people in the building at a time based on the county's restrictions for occupancy. So there was a, a lot of that that went on as well that made it very difficult. Angie, do you think that our culture has shifted such that most employers have the same work expectations for moms in the workplace as they do for dads, or is there room for improvement? I think there's still room for improvement. I know just in my prior employment, there was a lot of expectation that I would find a solution for things and that I was the one that was going to be you know, working through and I would be the one that would receive the reprimand if I didn't figure it out. And so it made it very difficult and frustrating for that. Whereas I saw like the dads at the workplace, they were like, oh, we'll have your wife take care of that. Or so it kind of got pushed off to their spouses. Whereas I was kind of in charge of having to figure it out for myself. And if I didn't, um, it was becoming a bigger issue at work than it really needed to be. And in my current place, they value um, the fact that we are mothers and things will happen and are able to kind of be a little bit more flexible. There's more cross-training and such to be able to allow for that time if you do need to you know, do something for childcare that you can't find somebody else to help with. You need to have that flexibility, but you also can't have it be the only thing that the workplace does is just to allow constant flexibility for people to take care of their kids. Right. Thank you. Alexis, what has been your experience with work-life balance, particularly over the last two years? 
Well, I, I think it's very fitting to follow Angie and her comment is to try to find balance where we know life exists out of the brick and mortar of the, the building, right? And being workers and trying to focus on those things. But what is that perfect balance and being able to, quite frankly, still be able to get the job done, but be respectful that we're living in a pandemic and things look different. It's been a struggle to be able to find that balance and working with individuals of mothers and fathers and cousins and friends and caregivers across the board to be able to say, yes, you can do that, but you can't do that all the time. Yes, it works today, but tomorrow it doesn't. And being able to have, I think, as Angie said, that open communication to say, okay, what is it that you really need? And how do we find that compromise? I think over the two years, it's communication is key, right? That's kind of a, a key phrase, but it's really important. And especially in these times, I think having the constant communication and not just going with, well, that's the way it's always been, or it worked that way back then, those things don't work now. And I think just being able to have that communication, to keep that open, to be willing to have balance and have compromise, it's been an interesting experience. And I think it continues to be an ex interesting experience. All right. Thank you. Kelly, do you think that there are things in your own life that need to change? Are there things at the court that need to change? Well, I always feel like I'm not giving enough to everybody, enough to my kids, enough to my job. I feel guilty if I take time for self-care for just me. Uh, I don't know that I'm ever going to change that. That's just my personality of wanting to give 100% to everybody. But we know that that can happen, right? As far as my court, you know, I talked about as an organization, it's really supportive of my role as a mom and supportive when I need time off for family. But I think we need to continue fostering that because like I said earlier, I've had supervisors that aren't that supportive and that has really put an undue burden on me or an undue hardship, I should say. So I think we need to continue to foster the idea of a well-balanced work and life situation and assist where we can with staff. If we can make accommodations and it works with our court schedule, I think we should do that. I think you give more to an organization that also supports you in return. I completely agree. That's absolutely correct. And I have a confession to make just a little off script here. As a former supervisor of a very large staff, one of my pet peeves was unscheduled leave. I didn't like the abuse of the Family Leave Act. And um, that, that was a struggle. But I think as long as you understand and you have a sense that your employees are committed, working with them to to meet the challenges of the court together is the best approach. And Alice, if I may add on to that, I think that's a real thing you struggle with is finding that balance. I'll use that word because it's so important, I think, in what we're talking about from the users and the abusers versus the people that really need that support and being able to treat those individuals on an individual basis while still staying within the overall umbrella guidelines that we're supposed to stick under, right? So how do you use that foundation of, yes, we have to treat everyone the same, but at the same time, taking each individual and their circumstance into, a, into consideration? That's right. And it can be a challenge to, you know, doing just that. And I think too, to add on to it, it just takes that one person to kind of ruin it, right? To leave that bad taste in your mouth about FMLA or about unplanned leave, and then you hear it from somebody else, and they may have a valid thing that they're going through, and you're going, oh, one more person out of the office, how are we going to handle that? That's exactly right. 
Angie, how about your situation? Are there things in your home life that needs to change? And what about your court life? Well, the, the biggest change I did was getting a new job. <laughs> so I became part of the, the great resignation, just realizing that the flexibility um, that I really needed was never going to be there. And, you know, part of that, my, my father passed away a couple of weeks ago and I asked for bereavement leave and my old workplace actually was like, oh, but you have to come in You're you know, you're going to, your last day is this week, you know, you have to come in and help us with things. And I was like, no. <laughs> so, so I essentially like went and turned my things in sooner. And, you know, it's like one of those things, just like what Kelly said, you have to realize that there's self-care involved and you really have to think about what you have to do for yourself. And if that place isn't the right place, you know, find somewhere different that will work with you and values you and understands that in order to be a good employee, there has to be some flexibility in things. I agree. Life is short. And I, I should add that I was always fully supportive of scheduled leave. Right. <laughs> so, I'm a big supporter of scheduled leave. So, um, and, you know, I think Angie, your comment about your former employer denying bereavement leave, I think speaks volumes about that employer. And I'm so delighted that actually that you have a new situation now, a new employer and uh, a supportive one. That makes two of us. <laughs> Alexis, has your management style changed since the beginning of COVID? I, I want to say yes. I, I want to say that I, I've had to make adjustments and change things throughout the pandemic and look at things in a different way. I've always considered myself a situational leader and looking at e each situation, but that was every day. I mean, and I, again, I say it's even still today, it's that way. And I think each situation has just caused for me to really think about things in a way that I was never really used to. I mean, you think to the beginning of the pandemic and restricting access. In my time and in my career, closing the court was just never an option. And to get to that point where we had to restrict access I had to take a step back and say, hey, this is okay. But before, and when it started, it was like, no, we need to figure out how to keep it open and allow people to still come in. And so I think my style had to change to go with the times. I can appreciate that. I, I managed a court that we couldn't even close down for a staff meeting, a one hour staff meeting. So I can't, you know, the idea of closing the courthouse doors, you know, is kind of a shocking thing. So Awesome that you that you are so flexible and and a situational leader, and I think that's really important in the in these days. Kelly, has your court experienced the great resignation, meaning large numbers of employees leaving? I think we have. Whether it's been retirements and that's just you know it's kind of a cycle as people move in and out, but we've had a lot of staff changes over the last two years. Uh, the pandemic has been difficult to navigate for everybody, right? Staff had to decide if their jobs were really a good fit for them in this new normal. And we had a, a lot of staff decide that another job was a better fit, whether it was due to the ability to work from home more often, or if they had to be home with a, with a kiddo to do distance learning. Additionally, we had supervisors. You have to learn a whole new version of task managing without people there for you to be looking at every day. Okay, what are you working on? What are you working on? You really had to develop a new line of communication. And with that, supervisors had to make some difficult choices about who could work from home, who had the ability 
to do that. And, you know, in the end, we decided some staff just weren't a good fit for our organization and in this new normal. And we couldn't ex accommodate everybody exactly how they wanted. But what we were able to do is we complete exit surveys anytime anybody leaves the court. So we received a lot of valuable information about why people were leaving. So we can track, okay, this person had to leave because they have other needs that we just couldn't fit anymore. Thank you. I think that's so important. So Kelly, recently I've talked with a number of court managers who shared the challenges that they're facing keeping court operations running smoothly at a time when they are short-staffed. They're struggling to hire qualified employees due to low applicant pools, and they have employees who are unable to report for work due to illness or contact with COVID-positive individuals. How might employers help to facilitate work-life balance for their employees while ensuring meaningful and timely access to the courts? Sure. That's a big question. First off, we've been fortunate to continue to find qualified applicants. We have not faced any budget restraints based on COVID, so we've been able to fill a lot of our unfilled positions. But with that, you really have to look at how to prioritize your training. We have one office that has 13 staff in it, and of that, nine of them are new within the last two years. So we had a real big loss of continuity. And with some of them going home the first month that they were working in the office, we really had to find what duties we could get the most bang for our buck on training them on. So training was number one for us during this pandemic. Secondly, I'm extremely thankful that our court has electronic case files. If we would have been shuttling paper all over our we're 13 counties, if we would have had to shuttle paper across 13 counties, I can't imagine what we would have lost in time and data, right? And we have the continued ability for remote hearings. So we've been successful um, in offering the ability to work from home when there's an illness or a close contact. Of course, when it worked for the office, there's times that that's just not able to be facilitated. And if staff were well enough to work from home and they chose to, it was like a plug and play. They could take their computer and just start working at home. So what that did for us is it allowed our staff to retain their sick leave and their annual leave for the times that they really needed them or specifically for annual leave when you need that self-care, you just need to totally disconnect and be at home. And again, that goes back to me for facilitating a positive work-life balance while also maintaining the court operation and access. Alexis, are there things NACIM can do to help improve work-life balance in the court system? Well, I want to add my answer to um, add on to what Kelly said. I think she talked about being able to find things and be mindful of self-care. And what does that mean? I think that means so many different things for different people. And so are there ideas or links that NACM can post about consider this as you're working from home or consider this if you're still required to go into the office? I mean, I, it's things I think we've always talked about, but I think they're more relevant now because life is so different. And sometimes it's just clicking on an article to say, take a step away from your desk for 10 minutes or step away from your home office for 10 minutes. And it seems like that's common sense, but sometimes it's not. So I think small little clips and articles is something that Nakem could do. I think also just continuing to think about the future and not get so wrapped up in the pandemic and what it's done and what we did to survive. We have to continue to think forward and think next steps. And I think providing those ideas of new ways to approach 
the current life we live in and not just about the pandemic is something we can continue to do. It gets us out of that cone and that cycle of pandemic, pandemic, pandemic. We're living in it, but how do we move forward? Great advice. Speaking of advice, what advice do you have for those tuning into today's episode? Angie? Like I had mentioned before, take your time off. You get it for a reason. I I read a study not that long ago that I think the U.S. is the worst in terms of taking their PTO and actually taking the leave that we get. And you're not abandoning the office. You're just taking that time that you need to clear your mind and be able to be a better employee because you can focus because you've taken that little rest. And even going for you know a 10 minute walk at lunchtime is tremendously helpful. Great, thank you, Angie. Kelly? As core professionals and caregivers and leaders, we're pulled in so many directions. It's home, it's work, it's a meeting, it's going to county commission meetings. Um, so we really have to take the advice of the great Dolly Parton and I'm gonna quote her and say, never get so busy making a living that we forget to make a life. That's great advice. Alexis? I would say the same, be mindful of yourself. And there's often we are in meetings and I'm with the management team and we're discussing staff and what we need to do for court operations. And I need to be better and continue to be better to say, what about you? What about me? What else do we need? And not just get so wrapped in and just the day-to-day stuff, but be mindful that we're a part of that big process. And so what do we need to be able to keep moving forward as well? Excellent, thank you, Alexis. I want to thank Alexis Allen, Kelly Hutton, and Angie Van Skoik for sharing with us their experiences and insights regarding work-life balance. I also want to thank my excellent co-host, Alice Roberts, for her perceptive questions. The final word on this critical topic has not been uttered, and we all have a lot more to learn. As always, my thanks to you court professionals tuning in to today's episode. You know the challenge of maintaining work-life balance at home and in the office. It is your challenge and it is your achievement. Thank you for all you do. Join us in March for another episode dealing with the issues facing our courts. This has been the Court Leaders Advantage podcast series. I'm Pete Kiefer, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining us today. The Court Leaders Advantage is a regular podcast on courts and court administration. Today's episode will be available on our website, on YouTube, on Facebook, on iTunes, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter. Become part of the conversation. If you have questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, email us. Our address is podcast. that's all one word, at nakemnet.org. Did you hear an interesting comment by one of the panelists that you would like to listen to again, but you don't want to search through the entire episode to find it? The additional resources section of the webpage contains a question time marker sheet. Just find the discussion question on the sheet, and next to it is the time that question was asked. You can then quickly fast forward to that time in the episode and listen to the panelists' comments. Remember, if you don't have time to watch an episode, you can always listen to the audio version. Listen in your car or on the bus on your way to or from work. You never have to miss an episode. 
I'm Pete Kiefer, and on behalf of our guests, the Court Leader website, and the National Association for Court Management, thank you, and have a great day. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this episode are solely those of the host and the individual presenters. They do not necessarily represent the position of the National Association for Court Management.